Hey guys, welcome back to my channel. So on today's episode, I wanted to talk about the topic of friendship and communities and how that can affect someone with autism. So let's get into it. Where I live is super chill right now. It's cold, cloudy, which I love this type of weather because it's really calming. It's calming for many reasons. One, I live in California, so when it's cold here, it feels really good, especially if you dress warm enough. It's not so cold that it's painful. And as well, when it's cloudy, I like the light because it's diffused and it's not super intense and in your eyes. So it's just very relaxed, you know, as a person with autism and who could get very easily overloaded with sensory inputs and outputs, having things be just very neutral is definitely appreciated. I say that because I just feel very relaxed, so don't mind me if I'm speaking a little bit more quiet. Hopefully I could, during the editing process, maybe turn up the volume a little bit more on my voice. But yeah, I'm just going to be speaking a little bit more quiet today, but... You know, I don't really mind that, and I don't think you guys mind that either. This week I had a hard time figuring out what I wanted to talk about, if I'm going to be honest with you guys. I actually filmed two videos before this that I was fully intending on editing and uploading for this week, and that's the topic of autism and humor, but for some reason it just didn't feel right to me and I didn't feel up to editing it for whatever reason, and I was just walking my dog this morning and thinking about um you know all these other topics that i wanted to talk about and i was speaking to one of my best friends this morning about the topic of death because we were talking about grandparents because our grandparents are getting old and struggling with their health and so i had like a little heart to heart with my best friend and I feel like being able to tap into that energy really inspired me to perhaps come on here and talk about the topic of friendships. That in a combination of I've been just having so many dreams the past few weeks about past memories and experiences that I've had throughout my life with different types of people, especially friends. I was reflecting on that the other morning thinking, why am I getting all of these dreams? I always wake up feeling very nostalgic and bittersweet because a lot of these people that were in my life that I was dreaming about are no longer in my life at the moment and so I would wake up feeling like a deep sense of missing that time in my life. I feel like that in combination of that heart to heart that I had with my best friend just made it feel right for me to come on here and talk about the topic of like friendship and community because I feel like how autistic individuals builds relationships with other people, friendships and community is probably going to be very different and feel very different than holistic neurotypical people and so i would love to open up this conversation talk about my experiences hopefully for those of you who can end up relating to my video you guys can also figure out more about yourself and how you guys form friendships how you guys cope with friendships in general so that you guys can feel less alone because sometimes i feel like because it's so hard to find others out there that you can relate to oftentimes you could question if there's something wrong with you or if you're doing something wrong or if there's something you need to change to do things in a more normal way that you see depicted from your peers and from media and stuff like that all of this to say is 
Autism is a spectrum. It looks so different across all different types of autistic individuals. And this is just a part of my autistic experience as it could be for a lot of other autistic people out there as well. Let's just jump into it and talk. All right, so I wrote down a few talking points that I wanted to go over when it comes to friends and community. I think I wanted to start off with the fact that because autism is a social deficit, right? I think it's safe to say that if you're autistic, your relationships are bound to be affected by your autism because how you interact with others, perceive others, and how others perceive you is just going to be a little bit different and maybe sometimes even more difficult. That could lead to like strained relationships, right? And I say this because as I go into today's video and go through all the talking points, I want to really emphasize the fact that just because someone has autism doesn't mean they do not crave connection and crave community. There's a lot of misconceptions out there that autistic people are not able to empathize they're very cold, robotic, not able to understand others relate to others and, and be there for others. Almost like this sociopathic idea of autism, right? And I feel like that's just a very harmful, stereotypical way to look at autism. And I know a lot of people who go in for assessments have that be used to discount their autism because you know, doctors will tell them you're too empathetic or you, you can empathize with others, so there's no way you could be autistic. And that's just I cannot begin to describe how harmful that idea is. And that could not be further from the truth because I feel like that's a misconception that ultimately has to do with perhaps like the way we communicate, the way we perceive things, the way we come across. Oftentimes I feel like how we feel cannot be conveyed accurately to another person. And so like we could feel so deeply about someone or something, but our facade and what we look like outwardly could be completely like monotone and flat. I feel like sometimes people mistake that for not being able to understand and feel for others, but that is just not true. There's so many times throughout my life where people are just so expressive of their emotions and inside I feel very intensely as well, but I'm just sitting there and I'm very like calm and just like put together and I'll kind of think to myself, how do I convey to people that I, I feel this way? And I just feel like I don't know how. And there's times where I've tried and it just didn't, it didn't feel right. It didn't sound right. It just was really off. I'll try to tell someone that I care about them and that I'm here for them. But my voice is just super monotone and my face is super serious. And I'll realize that and I'll think to myself, oh, Irene, that was not that was not what you were trying to get across. So I just wanted to address that. When it comes to the topic of friendships and autism, I find two words to be extremely important, and that is loneliness versus comfortability. Let me get into why I feel like these are the two most important things that affect autism. Friendships and community should be something that is offering you a sense of fulfillment, right? You either feel fulfilled by your friendships or you're not fulfilled. It, it's that simple, right? But when, in the context of autism, I feel like what makes it hard is that regardless of if you're feeling fulfillment or not, you're always going to feel tired and fatigued 
And that's just something that kind of goes with being autistic, at least in this time. I feel like hopefully we'll get to a point in the future. I don't know how long it's going to take to get to that point where our concept of autism is going to be so well-rounded and understood worldwide that the accommodations therefore that people need and ask for are going to make relating to others and having friendships with others more comfortable and fulfilling but i feel like for a lot of autistic individuals in the past and in current day and age it's i feel like we've come to a point where we can have fulfilling relationships and friendships and a fulfilling community but there's always that sense of being extremely uncomfortable sometimes tired and fatigued that goes along with it and that's just a part of just not having your accommodations having to mask having to live up to other people's expectations of you having to receive and maybe even live up to other people's projections onto you also just like having sensory overload as well so I'm gonna go over some of the patterns that I see throughout all the different types of friendships I've had throughout my life and these patterns are pretty consistent as well and the first pattern that is extremely consistent with all of my friendships since childhood is that I'm always changing friends or friend groups or both and let me get into why I feel like this happens in the context of autism so this is something that is just consistent even to this day this isn't something that is like fluctuating and every now and then it's it's different, right? This has been consistent since childhood and something I've always been aware of as well. And before I was diagnosed with autism, this was something that my mom was worried about because she didn't think it was normal to see a girl not having like a consistent group of friends or community and she was just concerned that I was always in her perspective she thought that I couldn't keep friends in reality a lot of the friendships ended and communities were left behind because I was the one actively walking away from these friendships and let me explain this and let me get into why I do this and why I think autism relates to this I'm not sure if all holistic people feel the same way. I'm assuming they don't, which is, I feel like that's just part of being a neurotypical person is like social interactions are not going to be as alien as it feels and seems to an autistic person. But just from as long as I can remember, I always felt extremely curious about other people because I just didn't understand them. I feel like as a kid, that curiosity and the inability to understand other kids is not considered particularly weird, right? Because kids are just still so new to life and they're still figuring things out, right? But I feel like as you get older and as you age and you're still baffled by other people, I feel like that's when you could start to understand like mm, maybe there's just something else there that is making it hard for me to understand and relate to other people. So I feel like the way I tend to relate to others is very opposite of what I've seen depicted through holistic people and how they relate to others. I feel like for a lot of holistic neurotypical people, they like to find their group and stay really stable within that group for however 
long they're in that specific cycle of their life. So let's say someone who was born and raised in a certain city, they will make a group of friends and be friends with them all throughout elementary school, middle school, high school. Everyone moves off into college and then you make your group of friends there and you're friends with them for four years throughout college. And once you graduate and you move into your young adult life and you start working as an adult, you perhaps maintain your group of college friends. Maybe you see your childhood friends every now and then, but perhaps you make a new group of friends through work and as a young adult, and you maintain that group of friends for however long that you're in that city for. I feel like that is what I've observed in neurotypical people, right? But I cannot fathom doing that. That's just something that I cannot do. And for the longest time, I thought there was something wrong with me that I couldn't do that. And I didn't want that either. But as I'm learning more and more about my autism, I'm just realizing that how I want to have relationships with others and what I'm comfortable with is just different, right? I feel like the way I relate to others is I like to meet people that pique my interests. So someone who is, for whatever reason making me very curious about them. And a lot of the times it's because they're a type of person that is very different from me or they're interested in things that are not things that I'm typically interested in or not something that others are typically interested in. And so when I'm curious about someone, I very much so just want to get to know them and I want to like understand them. And usually that's what leads me into friendships, right? I feel like the other trait of autism and friendships kind of bleeds into this part and that is like the short-lived but deep connection that we build with others. So I feel like a lot of the times autistic individuals get really close to and build a very immediate deep connection with someone else but it is very short-lived because of other reasons that I'll get into as well. But I feel like throughout my life and this is in childhood all the way in every aspect of my life. I'll meet someone, I'll get to know them, and I'll hit a point where I just start to feel extremely uncomfortable because one, there's there's like an aspect of sensory overload because of the amount of masking that I end up having to do because the other person's expectations of me are very specific. Their projections onto me is very strong and heavy as well. I feel like in friendships, as you get closer to someone, there's so many things that they feel like you are supposed to do for them and that you're inclined to do for them. That isn't something you necessarily want to do or commit to, but you have to for the sake of the other person and the friendship, right? And I feel like all of these things combined together makes being with someone in a friendship very, very tiring. And I think over time, what I experience is like a burnout, like a burnout from a friendship. And it's not necessarily that I don't want to be friends with that person and that I don't like them, although sometimes that does happen. But it's just a matter of like, I reach a point where I'm no longer comfortable and therefore the friendship is no longer worth it. And because I feel like they expect me to be friends with them under specific terms and like I I feel like I can't meet those terms. I feel the need to therefore distance myself from them or not be friends with them because I cannot live up to their expectations of me within that friendship. And it's not fair to them either for me to keep them around under my terms. For example, I need space. I need some distance. I need 
you know, time away from someone. And I, I need someone to at least baseline, not have to expect a lot of reassurance from me all the time and validation. And so when I'm not able to give that to someone, I feel like it's not fair to them or me because I could either give them what they need and feel extremely burnt out and uncomfortable and do myself a disservice, or I could keep them around on my terms and only really reach out to them when I want to and get fulfilled from that. But that's not fair to them either because they ultimately feel like they're being used and they feel like there's an imbalance of friendship. And this is where I could feel very guilty. I feel like I didn't used to feel guilty about this in my childhood, but this is something I started to feel guilty about in my young adult life. And that's me not being able to meet the expectation of my friend. And this is something I find myself reflecting on every now and then and just like, I could very, very easily fall into this pit of just guilt and feeling very, very bad about failing my past friends, but I try not to let myself get there because I'm trying to be understanding of myself and understand that it's not personal, like it's not meant to hurt anyone's feelings. It's just, I cannot, you know, function in a normal friendship like others can and that doesn't have to mean I don't care about someone and I shouldn't have to feel the need to prove that I care about someone by doing things that I don't want to do and can't do and as well like trying to be understanding that ultimately the friends in my life whether we're in contact or not should be able to understand that I am like this and that it's different but that that doesn't make it wrong you know and they don't have to take offense to it either But I've had so many different types of friends and communities I was a part of throughout my life that are just on all these different spectrums. And that it's ironic that I say that. And I feel like a big part of why autistic individuals feel drawn to all different types of people is because we're ultimately learning about ourselves, different aspects of ourselves And we're wanting to be a part of different communities that can allow us to bring out a specific part of ourselves that is not able to be brought out in other different social situations. Ultimately, we're trying to fulfill an aspect of ourselves and our social need through different groups of people because we know that we're not able to feel a full amount of fulfillment with just one or two groups of people. Like For us to feel like we're totally in line with our authentic selves and to be able to express that, we have to have like 20 different types of people and and groups to be able to like bring those different aspects of ourselves out. As an example, I was raised atheist. At one point in my life, I was deeply involved in a church for like one or two years to a point where I was going to church three times a week. I was in the church's band praise team, as they called it. I went to church retreats. I was super involved in church and I loved that community for the two years that I was in it. But eventually I reached a point where I felt like the fulfillment that drew me to it and and kept me in there for two years started to dissipate. I started to see flaws in people. I started to feel the uncomfortability of masking and sensory overload started to catch up as well. And eventually I had to leave the church because it just, it wasn't worth how difficult it was to maintain and be in that environment. 
it wasn't worth it anymore. It wasn't fulfilling in the same ways, which also kind of like goes into the topic of how masks can sometimes allow you to actually express an authentic side of yourself in a weird way. Look at you. Your mask is amazing. I wish you could have seen me in mine. Isn't it funny? All everyone wants to do is unmask you, but they're missing the point. You and I both know. I'm looking at the real you right now. My mask allowed me to be myself completely. No shame. No limit. I feel like sometimes having a mask and having a script, although is is tiring, if you're put into the right situations, the mask and script that you inhabit is actually like an authentic part of yourself that you're able to express in that environment and have those people within that environment understand you very clearly because it is such a clear exchange that everyone's consenting to if that makes sense so for example like when you go to church i feel like the exchanges that you're consenting to and expecting from others and yourself is very very clear cut and if you genuinely enjoy that environment in those exchanges even though you're masking and scripting it's still bringing out authentic aspects of yourself not to say that scripting and and masking is still tiring it's always going to be tiring but it's at least fulfilling to you and authentic to you if that makes sense and I think it's important to also talk about that because I feel like People like to talk about masking as if it's just this negative thing that's terrible and you should never do it, right? But masking and scripting is like a tool. I feel like it's important to highlight the fact that masking and scripting is very tiring to utilize, but it could also be utilized for your own benefit and to fulfill you as a person and to be able to express yourself, right? One thing I really clearly have been reflecting on this past week is how I felt in elementary school specifically. And a lot of my dreams this past few weeks have been from elementary school, like the memories of just being deeply, deeply confused. I remember being like a drifter in elementary school. I remember always doing my own thing. And I even remember wandering around the school sometimes by myself and just like doing all these random things. One time during recess, I just found the one most quiet, most clean bathroom in our school. And while all the other kids were in the playground playing and it was super loud, I just went into this bathroom that was off in this other part of the school that no one was in and I just locked myself in a stall. I laid on the ground in the peace and quiet and I was just playing the video games that I brought with me. I never thought anything of that either. I never thought it was weird. I never thought it was peculiar. I never felt lonely either. I just was doing my own thing. I remember anytime I was in any situation with a lot of kids and a lot of people, let's say on the playground during recess or science camp, I just felt extremely overwhelmed with how much was going on and the fact that I didn't understand or I couldn't fathom all these different types of people and how they were interacting. It was just like so much to digest and process. I remember not being able to interact with girls my age. And this is something that translated throughout my life. But to specifically hone in on 
one part of my life, I remember in elementary school, there would be groups of girls, like cliques, and there was never like one or two girls that would just hang out together or by themselves. It was always like groups of six plus girls. The dynamics within that group and how they would play together during recess was just completely baffling to me because it was very much so based in social hierarchies and stuff like that. I remember there was these groups of girls that would always play like they were a family and there's this girl that was the mom and all of these other things and she was like giving all these roles to different people and they would be forced to interact within that role there would always be like a hierarchy like a leader of the group and then the followers and then the people that they would kind of bully things like that and I just could not understand this dynamic or how to even jump into it and the way I like to describe social dynamics in my perspective is it's like double dutch let's say two jump ropes are going at the same time and you have to like figure out how to jump in at the same pace and be able to jump within those two ropes without messing up and messing up the flow i feel like for holistic people they could jump in and out with no issues but i feel like for me i'm constantly trying to get the rhythm of the ropes but it's just impossible I could perhaps jump in for a few moments before I completely mess up the rhythm and mess up the game. Or I just don't know how to jump in completely and I just stand on the outside watching the ropes go. I feel like that is how I feel about a lot of social interactions throughout my life, especially with women and girls. When I was little, I found myself playing with only boys a lot of the times. And this isn't just me saying like, I'm different. I am one of the boys. Pick me. I can only hang out with boys. I don't understand girls. Like if I were to really dissect this, the reason why I was more comfortable being around boys and playing with boys during recess was one, because I grew up with two brothers. So I was already more used to the dynamics of being around boys as well. I feel like the way boys play with each other during recess is less social and more physical. So in that aspect, there's less confusion there on my end because if I remember playing with other kids during recess, it was always physical games. It wasn't talking. It wasn't social interactions. It was more so like playing tag or playing tetherball or playing wall ball. And it was easier to understand the rules of the game and to not have to worry about social hierarchies and just be able to physically interact with other kids. Of course, things change as like kids hit puberty and things like that because it's harder to interact with the opposite sex when people start to get attracted to each other, things like that. How boys perceive you is not going to be the same as they would perceive you when you're both like six years old, right? And that's like a whole other story as well. I feel like there's definitely been a shift as well as I grew into my womanhood of I still find it hard to have friendships with groups of women, but I do notice that the deep friendships I do have are with women and only women. Like I do not have deep friendships with men, especially hetero men. Like the deep friendships I do have with men are all gay men, but I find it easier to understand and relate to people that are somewhat sharing the same experiences as me and we feel like we have no ulterior motives other than just 
caring about each other platonically, things like that. Which kind of leads to the next trait that I find very consistent with my friendships, and that is the idea of projections, other people's projections onto you and expectations of you. And this kind of relates to the topic that I just talked about. It became harder to be friends with hetero men because hetero men will have expectations of you that you don't want to live up to. For example, if they're attracted to you, if they like you and you don't want to have to deal with that because you only see them as a friend and you don't want to have to deal with having to let them know constantly that there's like a boundary there that you do not want them to cross and you don't want to cross either and you're not interested in crossing. This topic kind of goes underneath that umbrella of projections. I feel like a lot of the times the reasons why I leave friendships behind is because the projections of the other person becomes too heavy for me to handle and I am unwilling to function within that friendship because I'm unwilling to meet the projections of the other person. And projections to me is basically what they want from you and their own personal desires and perhaps even like traumas and wounds are now your responsibility of needing to either help them handle or for you to handle altogether. I've had friends who had an attachment style that was very clingy and so they constantly needed to be validated by me so that's validation from my physical presence through words of affirmation I just could not have my alone time like I would wake up in the morning to a specific friend calling me and needing to be on the phone with me for hours not even talking but just like me being on the phone doing nothing and for them that is like comfortable but for me it was like torturous because I couldn't go on with my day and do what I wanted to do because I was just sitting on the phone staring at their face. And as well, you know, if I were to go out and run errands or do anything with my life, they would immediately invite themselves to go with me without my consent and without me offering. And I'm sure that they didn't think anything of it because that's the relationship dynamic that they're used to. They probably have friends in their lives that welcome that type of interaction. But for me... That was just way stepping like a boundary and making me feel extremely uncomfortable and suffocated and overstimulated, all of these things. I constantly felt like I had to meet the expectation of her projections onto me. Who I was forced to be within that friendship wasn't actually who I was and what I wanted. And so I hit a point where I just could not function in that friendship anymore. It was too tiring. And I felt like, In a way, like I couldn't even be myself within that friendship anymore. I couldn't even be my authentic self. I wasn't comfortable. Other projections could be other people's experiences with their own healing and their own trauma and them projecting that onto you because I feel like humans want to naturally surround themselves with others that are of the same vibration as them. People who are dealing with and coping with the same things in the same ways and so a lot of the times when you are friends with people who are in a certain part of their life and healing journey and you might not necessarily be on that same vibration you might deal with things in different ways you might be in a different part of your healing journey but I feel like a lot of the times people 
project onto you their own experiences and expect you to reflect back their experience. And that's extremely frustrating because it doesn't leave you room to just be yourself and to be your authentic self. In a sense, it could also hold you back from your own growth and your own healing. I've had a friend in the past that has had multiple abusive relationship with men and I've had that experience as well. I think that's a big reason why we felt drawn to each other because we could trauma bond and relate on a lot of our experiences. But uh, a year or two into our friendship, I started to realize that anytime I wanted to grow past this idea of men being people who can't be trusted and men are always there to hurt you, when I was trying to like grow past that and when I was, you know, for example, dating men who were nice and healthy, my friend could not fathom it and almost in a way didn't allow me to fathom or partake in it as well. She would say things like, oh, he might be nice now, but you never know. Men always are nice in the beginning and then they betray you and and start doing all of these things to hurt you. And it's things like that that becomes very heavy for me to uphold for the other person as well is like their projections of their own trauma and experiences onto me when I still have to deal with and cope with and grow past my own baggage. I don't do that for other people. At least I try not to. Of course, I'm sure I I have had in the past, but I feel like for the most part, I try to be very, very cognizant of allowing another person within my friendships with them to have their own experiences and deal with things in the ways that they need to deal with it. And for me to not project my own experiences and my own expectations onto them. Which leads to another projection that I find myself really not liking as well. And that is the projections of someone else desiring you in a way that you do not desire them. I feel like this projection is something that I've been dealing with more so in my adult life. And is something that I loathe going through as well and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's also tied to my own sexual trauma I don't like having to receive or deal with any sort of energy that is desiring me that I do not consent to and that I'm not able to give back it feels like a violation for me it's just not something I want to deal with And I feel like this is the projection in specific that I draw the hardest boundary with. If I'm ever interacting with someone or am friends with someone that I start to feel as if they are liking me or desiring me in a way that I cannot return back to them and is outside of being platonic, that is like the number one way to get me to stop being friends with you because... I don't like the idea that no matter what I do or don't do is going to be misconstrued by the other person to be what they expect of me and what they want from me because they ultimately desire me. Have you ever been a fan of someone and you admired them so much that everything they did was something that you 
cheered for. And if they ever made a mistake, you were very easily able to excuse it and say like, oh, it's understandable because of A, B, and C. But you wouldn't afford that same amount of leeway for another person that you don't care about and you don't admire. I feel like that same concept applies to when someone desires you and is attracted to you. I feel like no matter what you do do and no matter what you don't do, they're always going to take it and misconstrue it to what they ultimately want from you. And I feel like that is something that is extremely, extremely stressful for me to go through, especially as an autistic individual, because you're already so exhausted by the idea of like masking and having to come across a certain way to someone. So when you're already doing all that mental work and physical work to express that outwardly, and the other person is going to misconstrue it regardless, it, it like completely burns your brain out and you're just like so what do I do then to make sure that you're not misunderstanding me ultimately you feel extremely exhausted like you've been hitting a dead end and banging your head on that dead end feeling like you you just can't do anything about it other than drawing that hard boundary and like cutting that person out of your life because you think to yourself I cannot be responsible for your feelings especially if it's not something I could return or something I want to return I've had many friendships in the past where I had to draw that very hard boundary and stop being friends with someone stop speaking to someone because I felt like they began to desire me and project what they wanted from me and that was just something I wasn't able to live up to and wasn't willing to live up to which kind of leads me to the next pattern that I see happening pretty consistently with my friendships and that is the idea of burning bridges let me explain this and how it works. I feel like a part of autism is like the inability to lie, right? It's not to say that autistic people can't learn how to and try. It's just that it's either impossible or extremely tiring to do so. So it's not necessarily sustainable, right? But going back to one of the traits that I brought up earlier in this video, and that's getting close to and integrating yourself into all different types of communities and relating with all different types of people and how that brings out different aspects of yourself that is authentic and needs to be expressed. I feel like a part of burning bridges is when you meet someone and you become very close to them, that could bring out a part of yourself that is very authentic and needs to be expressed. But let's say that part of yourself evolves and changes. Now you cannot relate to that person or be friends with them because you're not able to draw on that part of yourself anymore because that part either changed, went away, or isn't there anymore, or is something that you don't want to feed into anymore. And so you basically cannot function within that friendship anymore because the bridge that brought you guys together is no longer there. So you therefore burn the bridge and you move on from the friendship. Not saying that all autistic people are like this or all friendships and because of this, I feel like a lot of the times autistic people end friendships for more so objective reasons rather than like a personal reason. Not to say it can't emotionally affect us or hurt our feelings, but I feel like a lot of the times we decide to take a step away from friendships or distance ourselves because objectively you just cannot relate to the person in the ways that you were able to relate to them in the past. I think another part of burning bridges is not just the loss of 
similarities and interests, but as well when someone that you were friends with begins to cross moral standards that you deem very important to yourself. So I feel like for a lot of autistic people, they have very specific ideologies and moral values that they think are very important. And when someone in their lives are not able to understand or uphold themselves to those same standards, it's it's very frustrating for us. It's very confusing and it's very conflicting. And a lot of the times we are not willing to be friends with someone who directly conflicts and contradicts our own beliefs. So for example, one of my best friends of many, many years, this person I was deeply close to and I deeply loved. I still miss them to this day. But a few years ago, I had to end our friendship because there was just a lot of things within my own moral values and healing as a person that he directly contradicted. It was things like the way he would treat women that he would date and sleep with was just not okay. He did not respect them. He would lead them on. From someone who really cares about feminism and women empowerment, I could not see myself enabling, supporting, being friends with someone who hurts women the way that I've been hurt, right? It just doesn't make sense to me that I would be friends with someone like that. And as well, this best friend of mine was friends with my abuser. And when I told him that I was in an abusive relationship with this man, my best friend just didn't really believe me or say anything about it, didn't really have any opinions. He didn't really go out of his way to cut this abusive man out of his life either and continued to talk to him every now and then. That's just something that I do not think is okay. And it took me a few years to finally realize how unokay with it I was because I would never ever speak to someone that I knew abused another person, let alone my friend. Other things that he did that I just didn't think was okay was other women that we knew had told us that my best friend's friend r-worded them this guy he was already known to not be okay in the head like he did a lot of really harmful things and made a lot of people uncomfortable so that escalated to eventually a lot of women starting to come out that he r-worded them which is already so severe but on top of that i was at his party specifically his party at his house one year my best friend didn't believe my story of being feed. He didn't believe the stories of these other girls saying that they were R-worded by this one guy, right? My best friend would always say like, Irene, you're just thinking too much. You just drank too much that night. You, you just blacked out because you drank too much. Or we don't know what happened with those girls. We weren't in the room with them. So like that was their experience. But who knows if that is actually true and they were actually R-worded, things like that. It just was so disappointing for me to see this happen over the course of years. I know for a fact I didn't black out. Like, I'm not a big drinker and partier to begin with. But that night, I trigger warning, I took one shot and my body completely just could not move. I could not open my eyes, but my mind was completely sober. And I have never, ever experienced that before. I do know what it feels like to be drunk. I do know what it feels like to drink and what your body is supposed to feel like. But that night, like I took one shot and I just could not move my body, but my mind was completely sober. And that is just not 
that's not normal. And I felt extremely sick the days after that as well. Like sick in ways that I've never felt sick from, from drinking. And it was just like completely not normal. But my friend just kept telling me that my experience wasn't real and my perception of it wasn't real. There's nothing to worry about. And you know, that's just not okay with me. This friend of mine has supported me so deeply in other aspects of my life, but it was just these very important pillars of my moral values that was being contradicted with his actions that took me years to finally come to terms with the fact that I am just not okay with it and I do not want to enable someone like that in my life. I don't want to keep someone around in my life that can do that and contradict my moral values in those ways. And so I had to make the really hard decision to cut that friend out of my life. And I, I told him why. I told him every single reason why I could not be friends with him anymore. And it was really heartbreaking. And that is another weird thing about the burning bridges aspect that I find consistent. And I wonder if any of you are able to relate as well. But whenever I do cut off a friend and I burn a bridge and I move on from a friendship, it's very easy for me to do because when I finally make that decision, I know exactly the reasons why I am leaving this friendship behind and I know that it's something that I do not want to deal with anymore. And so when I make the decision to cut them off, it's very clear, very objective. And so I'm able to move on from that friendship and that decision's not necessarily hard or heartbreaking. But it doesn't mean I don't think about the other person and sometimes even miss the other person and care about the other person. There's so many times, especially like recently, because a lot of the friends that I've had to cut out recently are friends that I've had for years and have a deep connection with. I still find myself thinking about them. I still find myself wishing that they are doing well and that they've grown as people like genuinely wanting them to do good for themselves and be better people and like missing their energy if that makes sense but at the same time like objectively not wanting to reconnect at all not wanting to be friends again whatsoever because I know it's just not gonna work out and it's just that very it's like a very interesting experience to be able to cut people out and like burn those bridges and move on from friendships that aren't working anymore very easily but still like deeply care about all of those friendships it's just interesting and i wonder if any of you have experienced that as well i feel like perhaps this is something that might lead holistic people to think that autistic people are cold and robotic because we're able to do stuff like that but I think it's it's not cold at all it's just different from what we're used to seeing because I feel like I've observed a lot of holistic people still being friends with and keeping people in their lives that they genuinely do not resonate with and sometimes is even harmful to their own mental health but they just continue to be friends with that person and whenever that happens I just don't understand it it just doesn't make sense to me because I can never do that. So I wanted to wrap up this video with some traits that I really love and appreciate and makes it easier for me to function within a friendship. It makes the friendship last longer. It's fulfilling. It's more comfortable, things like that, because 
I want to really emphasize that it is possible to have friendships and connections be long-lasting, fulfilling, and also even comfortable. It's not going to be common, but it is possible. I think it's going to be interesting for me to go over those traits, and hopefully it'll help you guys as well when it comes to learning about how you like to be within friendships and the types of friends you want to keep in your life. I feel like the most important thing when it comes to friendships for me is the ability for my friend to give me space and for the both of us to be independent. I'm specifically thinking about my best friend, my best friend that I've had for the longest time. She meets a lot of the needs that I need within a friendship. So I'm basically going to be listing a lot of her traits. One thing that I really, really need within a friendship is for my friend to be a stable person that is self-sufficient and able to self-regulate so what that means is no matter what my friend goes through whether it's through something really hard something very emotional whatever it is she has what she needs in her life and in her own personal realm to be able to regulate herself and process things and i'm just one of the many things there for her that she could go to to process even more, but she doesn't rely on me in any capacity to do that for her or to help her through that. I do gain fulfillment out of helping people, but specifically with friendships, I would prefer and I notice that I like it more when my friends are not fully relying on me to constantly vent to me, constantly dump their emotional baggage onto me and for me to be there to facilitate their own processing. My best friend, a lot of the times when she opens up to me about something, she has already went through it and processed it for many weeks and she just brings it up to talk about it with me. And so what I really enjoy is that we're able to talk about a lot of these deep topics, sometimes even emotional topics, but in a very calm, objective way where there's not necessarily like these emotions being brought up but it's like this deep understanding of the subject we're talking about and deep respect for each other but in a way where there's no emotional baggage being brought in and I don't also have to like hold the weight of her emotional baggage either and I don't necessarily do that and expect that of her as well because I very much so self-regulate as well and I only really talk about myself to someone else when I've already processed and went through something and I just want to like further talk about it and understand it with someone that goes to the second trait is like the communication aspect I really value someone who is able to have really really good communication skills that are not extremely personal and what that means to me is someone is able to have any type of conversation without getting extremely worked up angry or triggered I really like to be able to explore every type of topic with someone and just be very objective about it be very open be very respectful but like be able to explore ideas through conversation without it turning into an argument without it turning into something personal with my best friend we could literally talk about anything and from all different types of ranges like we could talk about something extremely political personal to the dumbest things like poo and drag queens and all that stuff. It's really important for me to be able to explore myself and the world through conversations with another person. And I feel like 
a lot of the times when a friend takes everything very personally and approaches every conversation through a personal lens. I find myself getting very quickly exhausted when they start to get defensive, when they start to strongly try to argue with you on certain points. It's just exhausting to have to deal with that. And that's a really quick way to also push me away as a friend. My best friend and I could literally disagree on a topic, but still be able to openly talk to each other about it, see each other's points without having to force our opinions and ideas onto the other person. I feel like when it comes to conversations, I appreciate like a certain aspect of detachment from your own personal self, if that makes sense. It's a very delicate balance that most people don't know how to master. And so I understand that this is like a specific need that only this friend could really meet. And I'm just thankful that I found a friend that can meet those needs. Another trait that helps me feel extremely comfortable and fulfilled is when someone allows you space to be yourself and they're not forcing anything onto you. This kind of goes along with the projections, but as well, this just means you are allowed to be yourself, have your opinions, have your life, and they're not forcing themselves, their life, their experience onto you. When I think about my best friend, she's a very strong person, has strong values, has her own opinions and the ways that she does things. But never once did I ever feel like she was pushing any of that onto me. She fully allows me to have space to be myself and do things the way I do. She never judges it. She never tries to make me feel uncomfortable for doing so. We both give each other space to just do things how we do things. And I feel like that is really, really important to me. And one of the biggest reasons why our friendship was able to last so long. I've, I've been in many situations with her that I wouldn't with other people. And I was able to do so because I feel comfortable with her. And I feel like I don't have to be forced to be anyone other than myself. And I don't have to mask as much around her. You know, things like that. So the last trait that I really, really value within my friendships, and this is also depicted in my best friend, is the ability for us to enjoy the same things. So I've noticed that my longest friendships that are the most fulfilling and the most comfortable, which doesn't happen often, are friends that I could genuinely do things that I like to do on my own, but I could enjoy it with them. And a lot of the times I find it hard to find someone my age that can enjoy these things with me because and this is super apparent in my young adult life because I feel like everyone in their let's say 16 years old to 20 something I feel like everyone is very much so into partying going to all these like big events like Coachella all of these like huge social things right traveling in big groups, things like that. Doing things in big social groups is basically what it is. And I just, that's something that I do not ever want to partake in. It is literally my hell. But it's hard to find someone who likes to do the things I do because I feel like I like to do old woman things. For example, friends that I've had in my teens through my 20s are people that I could invite over. I could cook them a meal and we eat dinner together and watch some movies or TV and just talk. 
that is my ideal night. That is my ideal way to hang out with someone. Either that or I go out and grab dinner with someone or go on a hike with someone. You know, these very slow activities that is very much so just based on your connection with the other person and the conversation you have with them. And it's hard to find someone who enjoys those same things, especially within friendships. But I've noticed that with my best friend, we're able to do all of my favorite pastimes, but together. And it's not something I have to force her to do because she enjoys it as well. And I think that's super important with having friends as an autistic person is how much of this person is something that's you can relate to but in a way where neither of you have to force it and I think that's something that I appreciate is that when I don't have to force myself to meet someone else's needs and when someone doesn't have to do that for me either I want things to be as equal and as fair as possible and equally fulfilling for both people this friend of mine we could go traveling together we just go visit like temples for example eat walk around shop things like that I don't have to worry about her wanting to go to a club and drink and I'm just like I don't want to do that and then she either has to accommodate me and stay in or I have to accommodate her and go out to the club I feel like a lot of the things that I like to do are just generally more gentle on the sensory experience and that's not something young people like to do. I feel like young people like to do sensory overload and just be wired and and do crazy things, right? But I like to do gentle sensory experiences. Painting, eating, cooking, walking around, petting animals, going on a hike. My best friend likes the same things. So we're able to genuinely enjoy the same activities together. On top of that, the fact that we're able to have such amazing conversations and I never have to fear any sort of conversation with her, whether that's the topic or triggering her or feeling like I might be triggered by her. It That never happens either. So I f- not only feel safe to be around her with the activities, but I also feel safe with the conversations and being myself. She never gets mad either, which... You know, I don't really get mad much either. I I could get frustrated with specific types of things, but because we're able to understand and resonate with each other and coexist on such a level of understanding and peace, I never really find myself getting angry with her. Not to say I never have, you know, I've had moments in our friendship where I even burned the bridge with her at one point in my life, but after like a year or two of not speaking, she reconnected with me and and since then we we talk like every single day I literally have never experienced this with anyone else in my life especially friends where I'm just like I could talk to someone every single day and not feel exhausted that's impossible usually for me but with her it's possible and I just appreciate her so much but yes let me know you guys do you find yourself feeling lonely pretty often do you guys have friends in your lives that make you feel seen and make you feel comfortable and is it hard for you to balance the loneliness and comfortability which one do you guys usually prioritize I'd be super curious to know again if you guys related to this video and if you enjoy today's topic give this video a like if you haven't yet subscribe to my channel. I make new videos every single week. 
Yeah, thank you guys for listening this far. I know today's episode is pretty long, but I enjoyed today's topic. I probably could have talked about it for another hour, but I just wanted to wrap this up here. And I think this is a pretty good place to wrap it up as well. So yes, I will see you guys on next week's video. Bye guys.